Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. The Bible talks about money 2,350 times in the Bible. There's 2,350 verses that talks about money. You think if God wants us to know about money on that context, it, it sounds like it might be important to him. At least that we know how we're to steward and what we're to do with the money that God blesses us with. So today, I'm going to be talking about the tithe. And, and I don't want you just to check out. I don't want you just to think, okay, this is just another you know, sermon. I'll just you know, kind of scroll through my phone and surf instead of listen. But the purpose of this today is that I, I, as, a, as a minister of the gospel, I would basically be falling short of what he's called me to do in preaching the full counsel of God's word. And the giving of the tithe is so imperative that we understand it because I know that there's a blessing that will come to you and you will be blessed as you receive this in faith, and let it just go, you know, truth, when it comes into the heart, it, it allows us to be set free of, of maybe mindsets or understandings or way that we uh, perceive uh, the giving of, of, of a tithe, of a tenth. But I want to look at Malachi 3, verses 7 through 12, so you can kind of Go in your Bibles and put your finger there, or if it's not in the Bible, on your phone. I want you to understand briefly the background of Malachi. Malachi is the last prophet of the Old Testament. So basically, Malachi is the send-off chapter from the old into the new. So approximately there's 1,200 years earlier before Malachi... God, through Moses, brought a people into the promised land, and he'd given them a way of life, and he promised them if they would keep this way of life, if they would steward this way of life, that he would bless them beyond all measure, and that the world would recognize the blessings of God upon the people of Israel. And, but he also said, and that he warned them that if they if they did not keep the conditions, his commandments, then they would suffer the opposite, which would be they would suffer loss and harm and poverty and defeat. So now in the book of Malachi, God kind of sort of summarizes 1,200 years in the Old Testament. And he gives this assessment. And unfortunately, it's a, it's a rather discouraging assessment of how things went for Israel for 1,200 years. For the most part, they did not meet the conditions, and they failed. And what we come to understand is that in that, um, there were things that they were not fully blessed with because they did not adhere to what God had set up in His Word as to really be a blessing for them. So they didn't meet the conditions. So now I want to look at Malachi 3, verses 7 through 12. So let's start in verse 7. From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes. 
and you've not kept them. This is basically a quick overview that God says of his people. You, you basically have not kept what I told you to do. But he said this, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So obviously they're asking a specific question back to God. And God gives them a very specific answer in turning their hearts back to God. In verse 8, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have, you, how have we robbed you? And the answer is very clear. In tithes and offerings. So not to give God what is due to him out of our finances is robbing him. It's due to him, but when we don't give it to him, we're robbing him. And in specific terms, Israel have been robbing God by, in these last, the 1,200 years before Malachi, they weren't giving of their tithes and offerings. It wasn't something that they were doing on a regular basis. And in that, it was for the purpose that blessings would be upon them. So really, the consequences of tithing and not tithing is two things. It's blessings and curses. Disobedience out of not obeying it brings a curse. So God says to that matter, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now God gives them a remedy for this predicament. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord. And God appoints a way in which Israel is to be tested. He says, if you'll do what I'm requiring of you, what I'm asking of you, then you will see what I'll do for you. He's a good father. He wants to bless us. He doesn't want us to walk around with holes in our pockets. He wants us to be blessed and highly favored. He wants people to see, wow, there's something special about that people. And in that, he says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. That is in the New American Standard. There is no more need. Doesn't that sound good? You have no more need because God's going to take care of it for you. Now, it might not happen exactly on your timetable, but your need is going to be met abundantly. So every need is met. So God speaks about opening up the windows of heaven. And it's clear that the heavens are really the sole control of God. We can't just all of a sudden, you know, turn a key, open a door, open the heavens, and the blessings come down. We don't have it. We don't have the ability to kind of like open up the heavens over us. It is God's prerogative. It is God's storehouse, and He's the one that opens it up and that pours out a blessing on us that we can't even contain. So basically, saying what I'm requiring of you, if you'll adhere to this and bring the tithe into the storehouse, then I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you, one that you cannot even contain. So verse 11, 
Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground. Nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So God takes stock and he reviews Israel's history and he points out to them that they failed to meet the conditions. And so to enjoy the blessings, he just reminds them that bringing the tithe, bringing your offerings into the storehouse unlocks God to do what he loves to do, and that's to bless us. So I want to look at um, just, just the three blessings real quick, and then I want to move into understanding this. And this is so important that we understand this. The giving of our tithes and offerings is not a legal duty. It's a grace-filled privilege. And I'm going to show you, hopefully, that this is a New Testament, spirit-filled, believing Christian's privilege. I said New Testament, not Old Testament. I'm going to show you that there's a connection between the two so that in doing that, what we're doing is that we are acknowledging Jesus as our Lord by giving. It is acknowledging Him as your Lord and Savior. And out of gratitude of your heart and honor to Him, you're sowing and doing it unto Him and not to man. And this is so important that you see this because unless your heart is filled with faith and knowing that as you're giving of your tithe, that you're doing it unto your Savior. It changes the whole dynamic of things. When you're giving to a person, you're giving to the one that saved you, bought you, loved you, cared for you, and he's with you forever. And a heart of gratitude is that you want to give unto your priest and your king. And I'm going to show you that, that it, the tithe did not start in Malachi. It actually started in Genesis when Abraham had a wonderful visitor called Melchizedek. And I'm going to, and I don't want to jump ahead, but basically what we're seeing is that I want your heart to be awakened in faith that this is just not a, a religious duty, something that, oh, I better give. You know, and, and I don't want you to see it as well, you know. I'll give a little bit, like, I'm, like you're tipping God. God says, I want you to have a tenth. I want to have the tenth. And it's because it's revealing your heart. Who's in control of your finances, you or God? It's not yours to begin with. He just simply gave it to you. He's saying, how you steward it is revealing the heart. And, and you know, I, I don't... I don't get into looking at who gives and who doesn't give. I, I, that doesn't even, I, doesn't even go on my radar. I don't even care to know that. But I know stats are, in churches in general, 20% of members of churches are giving of their tithe. 80% are not. It's just, it, it's pretty much a, a, an understood stat across the body of Christ. It's the 80-20 rule. 20% are giving, 80% are not. So the first promise that we're to have is that he's going to open up the windows of heaven over your life and pour out a blessing. 
And I just pointed out that God is the only one that can open the heavens. So the heavens are opened by you being obedient to the response to his word and giving unto him. That is what God says, whoo, now I'm going to pour it out on them. Then secondly, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. Everything that's eating at your prosperity and your health and your well-being, everything that's devouring your influence, your force, and your ability to do things, he says, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with that issue and, de- and defeat the devourer. Thirdly, all the nations will call you blessed. God's people are to be a testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness in our lives. So those are the three blessings. So what was the big error that Israel was making in the days of Malachi? In essence, they were not putting God first in their finances. That's, that's just a summary of it. They weren't putting God first in the giving of their finances. Basically, they took things into their own hands. It's my money. I'm going to do with it what I want. You yeah, tell me what to do with my money. God says, okay, I'd really like to bless you, but if you're going to have that attitude, let's just see how well things go for you. So, so in that, they were ne- neglecting God by not giving of their tithes and offerings. And in that, um, things were not going well for Israel. That was basically the summar- summarization of 1,200 years. So while... God's remedy is this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me now in this. So I want to exactly, my son could do a lot better job here, but exactly the tithe is the 10th. And for people like me that are not real skilled in math, I'm so grateful that a 10th is just simply moving the digit, one, one digit to the left. So if you made $320 this week, your tithe is $32. For me, that was good news because that's simple. So the reality is, is it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very simple equation. And in that, you know, I want you to think about that. A tenth is, is of your first fruits of, of the money that comes in. And, and, you know, when Eliza and I were young, we, we were first... Um, you know, learning and understanding the ways of God. And, uh, and I realized that, you know, God is saying first fruits. That means he wants a tenth from my gross and not my net. And so I realized, okay, wow, that's a, that's a different twist on it or a look at it. So I realized, okay, to be obedient to his word and to give a tenth, a, a tithe unto the Lord is from my gross. And I, I got to thinking, why is Uncle Sam getting a cut first and not God? And I thought, you know what? I need to give from my gross. And I want to tell you right now that Eliza and I have experienced and know that the blessings of God are true and that he has been faithful to meet our every need according to his riches and glory. And I'm just, I'm aware of the fact that there's the thought, well, you know, 
gross. Oh, that's a little bit too much, isn't it? And, uh, you know, the taxes come out, you got your net, and at the end of the day, you pay your bills, and they're like, well, let me just, I'll, I'll give them a tip. And in that, are you really lining up with what God's Word says? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So, in that, the tithe is really simple and it's specific. It's not complicated. And, and I'm grateful that it's just moving one decimal to the left. So, in that, Proverbs 3, verse 9 through 10 says this. And this is a principle of honoring God with everything, our finances, our lives, everything. But Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So Nana, notice that we honor the Lord when we put Him first in our finances. And tithing was not just instituted in, in the law of Moses. You know, many people think that it's, it's, it's the law, the law of Moses. That's where the tithe started. But actually, that's not where the tithe started. It started back, actually, with Abraham. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. So Abraham has a significant meeting with a man who just shows up, who just appears. His name is Melchizedek, who was king of Salem and priest of God. So I, I want to give you a little context for this moment. Abraham had just won a great victory over some uh, alien armies that were invading the land, and they took his nephew Lot, and they captured him. He's a prisoner. So Abraham, he went after these armies with his men. He defeated the armies. He released Lot, and he took a tremendous spoil. I mean, the, all of the money, all of the, 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 the supplies of the enemy, he got it all. So he's on his way back from this battle. And, and this wonderful person meets him who's called Melchizedek, which means the name Melech in Hebrew is king, Tzedek in Hebrew is righteousness. So this man was two things. He was a king, and he was a priest. And so this first use, this is the first time you hear of a priest mentioned in the Bible. And it's very important to see um, that this is not the Levitical priesthood. That came later. It's the priesthood of Melchizedek. And you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal of that? Well, this person appears later on in the New Testament as Melchizedek's. And guess who that person is? Guess who that person represents? Melchizedek. Jesus. Melchizedek is a foreshadowing of Jesus, and in that, Jesus is appearing and ministering to Abraham. 
So Melchizedek, king of Salem, which means king of peace, what's, what's the first thing that this, this priest and this king does? He brings out the bread and the wine. And he stands before Melchizedek, and they have communion. And he's the priest of God, the Most High. Let me just add this very interesting little fact here. A Levitical priest never had anything to give to the people except what the people first gave to them. They weren't a lot of people that had a lot of wealth and a lot of prominence. Everything that they had was to be given to them. So anything they gave away was already had been given to them. But Melchizedek had something for Abraham that Abraham had not given him. And the symbol of this priesthood was the bread and the wine. Isn't that amazing? So what happens at the Last Supper? Jesus stands before the disciples. What's the first thing he breaks out? The bread and the wine. So when he gave his disciples the bread and the wine, he said by that act, in me, the priesthood of Melchizedek is reappearing before you right now. And he blessed him. He blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So don't miss out on this last sentence. He said, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe, a tenth of everything that he had taken in this big battle that he beat all this foreign army. So why was he giving him a tithe? Because he was acknowledging him as his priest, as his Lord, He was acknowledging him as the one who won the victory for him. What's very important to see is that the first time priest is mentioned in the Bible, it goes with tithing. Do you see that? The first time we mention and talk about a priest in the Bible, there's the connection of tithing in the giving of the tenth unto the priest. So this is a principle. This is a principle that really most of us overlook. Tithing is a way of acknowledging your priest. Who is your priest? Jesus. Who is Melchizedek? Jesus. You're acknowledging him as your Lord and your Savior by giving him a tenth. You're saying, I honor you, I love you, and I thank you for saving me. So in that, you're giving him of your, of your, of your tenth, and in that, it's, it's revealing your heart. Are you in charge or is God in charge? Is it your money or is it his money? He's saying, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. We're acknowledging him. We're saying, you're my Lord, my Savior, my King, my everything. And Abraham did that to Melchizedek in a way that was so beautiful. He's saying, you know what? All of this stuff that I got, out of winning the war, it's not mine. I'm going to give you a tenth because you are my priest. So then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and the wine. 
and he was priest of God Most High. And he said, Blessed Abram, Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram, Abraham, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. That's the blessing that Melchizedek, as God's priest, pronounced on God's servant Abraham. Now, notice how Abraham responded to the blessing of, his, of the priest. How he responded to Melchizedek blessing him. Here's how he responds. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Do you see that? He gave him a tenth of everything. That was his response to the priest who just appeared and showed up before them. It's a way that we honor him. That's how Abraham first practiced it. And remember, you got to remember that Abraham is the father of all who believe. Remember, the remedy was if there was disobedience, a curse came upon the people by not bringing the tithe into the storehouse. But what's the remedy of that? Is that Jesus became the curse. Why? Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Why? So that we might receive the blessings of Abraham. We are Abraham's chillins. We are basically wanting to be, we're, we're recipients of this blessing that comes down through Abraham because he is the father of faith. So in that, we are to walk in the footsteps of how Abraham modeled faith, okay? So if he is our spiritual papa, we are to walk in his footsteps. And one of the main steps of this faith, Abraham's faith, was tithing. That was one of his ways that he walked out his life was tithing. And we are to, as New Testament believers, we are to be walking in the blessings of Abraham. You don't just receive the blessings, you also walk in the blessings. You do what he did. And in that, he said, give. So, Hebrews 7 shows that, I want you to see this. Hebrews 7, 6, shows that Jesus Christ in the New Testament is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to bring a connection here from the old into the new, okay? Because a lot of people say, oh, you know what? Tithing is just so law. It's not, it's not the New Testament. Well, it is. Because when it comes to tithing, we're not doing it out of, of a legal duty. We're doing it out of grace and gratitude. Because in Jesus is grace and truth. So we're no longer under the law. It's now up to us to respond appropriately with a heart of gratefulness, attitude of, of honoring. It's a way that it reveals our hearts. So 
in Hebrews 7 shows that Jesus Christ is in the New Testament, is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And it also emphasizes that Melchizedek collected a tenth from Abraham as a priest. So let's look at Hebrews 7, 6. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them, and we're talking about Melchizedek right now, he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. So that tithing is our response to God's blessings. And it's a way that we honor God. So we need to bear in mind that the tithe is to be brought into the storehouse. So what is the storehouse? What is the storehouse? I think it's pretty simple. It's the place from which you obtain your seed, both to eat and to sow. The storehouse is the local church. So we're to bring the tithe into the storehouse because it's a way to acknowledge the source of your supply. Let me just put it this way. You know, there's a little secret. The Holiday Inn right down the road, they got a great steak. They do. You think, you mean a hotel's got a great steak? They do. It's a grill. Go get, go get their ribeye. It's, it's, it's marvelous. But after church today, if you go on down to the Holiday Inn and get a good steak, you're not going to eat a steak at the Holiday Inn and cross the street and pay your bill at the Days Inn. Do you understand what I just said? If you're coming here and you're being fed, nurtured, and loved, cared for, looked after, you don't come here and make your tithe down there. You bring your tithe into the storehouse. It's where you're being fed. It's where you're being cared for, looked after. So the days in should not be benefiting from the tithe of where I'm eating it at the Holiday Inn. So it's the reality of basically our heart of grace in that we're responding and acknowledging, okay, this is my home. This is where I'm being cared for. This is where I'm being loved. So we need to acknowledge the source where our spiritual supply is coming from with our tithe. Does that make sense? All right. Romans 4, verse 11. I want you to end it with this. Romans 4, verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision. This is Abraham. A seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised that righteousness might be credited to them. Righteousness might be credited to us because of this, the sacrifice, what, what Abraham did, being that he was uncircumcised, he received the righteousness of Christ through faith. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. Let me just 
in a nutshell, unpack that. In order to qualify to be truly Abraham's children, we're all Abraham's children, okay? We're all that. We're all part of the, the tribe, Abraham's children. It says we must follow in his steps, the steps of the faith of Abraham. He's saying you must walk in the steps and in the way of Abraham and how he conducted his life in giving of a tenth of his tithe unto the Lord. So which he had while he was still uncircumcised, which was when he met Melchizedek. So I believe that tithing is one of the steps of the faith of Abraham that we are to step in, that we are to walk in, and it's done out of a heart of gratitude, and it's done by grace, and it's a way for us to acknowledge our Melchizedek, our Savior, our priest, and our King, that He's Lord of our lives. We're acknowledging Him, and we're saying, you are my Lord in doing that. So this challenges us as New Testament believers. I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about grace-filled individuals to walk in the steps of his faith. Why? So that the blessings of Abraham might be upon you. That you might receive the... If you want to know what the blessings of Abraham are, um, I want to encourage you to go into Deuteronomy. I think it's Deuteronomy 28. But the blessings of, of Abraham are incredible. They will bless you, and you're going out, and you're coming in. You can't help but be blessed. And in that, the blessings will be upon you in your life, and I believe that this is, this is an act of obedience in faith that will cause the, the Lord God to rebuke the devourer in your life. There'll be no holes in your pocket, and every need in your life will be met. And I say that in faith because I know it to be true. I know that God is faithful to his word. And we don't do this out of religion. We're not doing this out of rote. We're not doing this out of, oh, you mean I got to give to the church? It's out of obedience to his word so that we might walk as a people that are to be highly favored. People are to recognize, you know, the world is to recognize us and see, wow, they are a blessed people. What's different about them? The blessings of the Lord are those that overtake us and go before us. So I just shared with you the crossover from the old into the new. Why giving of your tithe is a New Testament believer's responsibility to give your tithe into the storehouse. I didn't say it. He said it. And in that, I want your faith to rise in knowing that it's okay. You know what? Your bills are going to be met. You know what? If, if your car broke down, it's going to get blessed and it's going to get fixed. The reality is, is that God's blessings go before you and they're behind you. 
And there's times in which you never, you can't imagine how in the world you're going to get the resources to pay for this certain bill. God is good. Our Father is good, and He loves to give good gifts to His children. But the key that unlocks the heavens over your life is the tithe. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Amen? Amen. All righty. Let's stand. Father, I just thank you. And I pray, Father, that by your spirit that you would anoint your word because your word is true. And I declare, Lord, that, Lord, as your word goes forth, it will not come back void. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word stands forever. And, God, I thank you and I praise you that, Father, you're a good father. And you want to bless us in all ways. And I'm asking, Father, that according to your word, that your blessings would mightily come upon this church. God, I declare this church will be prosperous and be in good health. I declare, Lord, we're going to experience the fullness of all that you have for us. So, Father, today I'm asking that you would touch each and every one. I'm asking that faith would arise. I'm asking, God, that you would do something so miraculous that we would notice and see that you're good and that you're always looking out for us. You're always rebuking the enemy. Father, I pray now that your blessings would overtake this church. God, I thank you and praise you for this church is to be a witness unto Jesus in a region that can be dark, but a light is going to shine in this place, and it's going to dispel the darkness in this region. So, God, I thank you and praise you for what you're going to do with this church. And I thank you, God, that we're not, we can't help but be blessed. Everything we put our hands to, we will prosper in and be in good health. And God, I pray that the blessings of Abraham be upon each and every one in this room. And I thank you, Father, that we will walk in your ways and we will keep steps with our Papa Abraham. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do in this church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.